Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to Insurance for the New Possible, a job conversation. We are joined by Rodrigo Valiente, a VP, head of digital for Latin America at Chubb, and Hugo Bertin, the CEO at Digital Insurance Latin, and a partner at HCS Capital. It is great to have both of you here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very well pronounced my name, uh, Mike. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, for having me again. <laughs> again, it is my complete pleasure. Before we get into the main part of this conversation, why don't we start with a little anecdote about insurance from both of you? Let's start with you, Ugu. Okay. Uh, about an anecdote, yeah. Um, I think that uh, it was in uh, the pandemic period. Okay. Yeah. I, I had my, uh, my car stopped for, I think, two months, and I received a message from my insurance company to say, hey, guy. I think that you have low battery and I am very, very bad to manage my, my car for my, my maintenance. So I go to uh, my car and I have no battery. Oh, no. So, wow. And after that, I receive other message to say, hey, we can help and uh, call to your assistance to help to put battery. So I call to the assistance, assistant go two hours after and they put me battery and in that case, I say, wow. That's from the insurance company. Yeah. That's pretty sure. amazing. Yeah, in, in Chile. So uh, for the first time, I, I received a, a wow effect. And I a say, wow okay, it's the new technology is a new normal for us. That's interesting. Was yeah. your car connected? Uh, yes, with the telematics, yes. So it's because it was a, a pay-as-you-drive uh, model. I like it. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. We'll get back to that as well. Rodrigo? Uh, for me, it, it's a story about connecting with the audience. Um, I remember when we started this journey, like probably seven years ago, the digital transformation, I mean, in, in, in Chav Latam, Chav Latin America. And one of the first few campaigns that we started with and we were very excited about was with working with influencers, right? And we hired a couple of influencers in Brazil. Each influencer in Brazil is like a whole country. This guy had, the first one I remember, had 25 million followers. 25 million 25 followers. million followers. Is it like two Chiles, right? And <laughs> then, that's like 10% of the population in yeah, Brazil, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And then the second one had 40 million followers. And oh, we said, wow. yeah, and we said, wow. And, and we managed to, to, to close a very good deal with them. So if we hit it just 1% of the people following these guys, the amount of policies that we would sell, right? right. That, that was the key hypothesis back then guess how many policies we sold with both guys zero yeah 17 on the first one <laughs> 17. <laughs> literally 17 policies and 11 on the second one what we realized is that we didn't we didn't uh, do an analysis on their audience who were the followers who right. why they were following them and yeah. why was that something that eventually would turn meaningful to their to their to their customers uh, the reality was there were all People between 20 years old and 15 years old, no right. credit cards, no payment method back then. So five years later, I'm back in Mexico this time talking to another influencer that is selling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of policies so each what, month. What was the what, difference? The audience. The guy was connecting on a different level with the audience, talking about insurance in a funny way, 
giving them advice, giving them tips, giving them ways to prevent themselves, provide them information for um, how to be protected and stuff like that. Adding value, basically, to the audience, not yeah. necessarily pushing policies, right? Right. right? What we try to do the first time with a, with a, with a celebrity or an influencer that didn't have any real relationship with insurance. So now the guy is on TikTok, on Tinder, on any, everywhere, every single platform the guy is nailing because he found a, a way to talk to his audience that adds value to them and we connected through him to them. Right? So this is actually super interesting, right? You've already mentioned Chile. You live in Chile, right? Yeah, right But now. where are you from originally? I'm from France. From France. From Paris. From Paris. Interesting. And you've already talked about Mexico and Brazil. Correct. So here's the thing that's really interesting to me. How do you change what you do from country to country? Mm. Because Mexico is not like Brazil, and mm -hmm. Brazil is not like Chile, and it's not like Argentina either. Can we talk a little bit about how this travels and what the differences between countries are? Yeah. Um, I'll say that um, there's quite a lot of differences among the different countries in LATAM. In the, uh, and there's a big difference, I'll say, between Brazil and the Spanish-speaking countries. Right. In, in some nuances of the culture, the way you address businesses, the way you do businesses, the way you uh, conduct yourself, the way you, you read the other person because of some certain background you know about the culture. But at the end of the day, the problems are more or less the same. Okay. structurally and uh, in terms of uh, financial protection, in terms of inclusion, in terms of technology, inclusion. they're quite more similar than one would expect. Of course, that you, when you are seeing this from the point of view of the country, you know, um, Argentina is Argentina, or there's no other country like us. Brazil thinks the same thing about themselves. But once you have a, a broader view, like I have the luck to, to have, I see more similarities than differences, really. In my case, I think that because I'm French, I have a, an overlook about uh, Latin America. And uh, I think that every country, in my case, uh, is very different from a cultural point of view. How so, though? Uh, I think, for example, in the case of Argentina, uh, like Rodrigo, Argentina is very... Uh, World champion. World champion. World champion. World champion. Yeah. 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 Congratu Just to be clear. Congratulations. Congratulations yeah. 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 on that. And coming from a French, it means a lot. It's been a while, though, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Argentina is very creative, and there are a lot of emprendedors and uh, uh, entrepreneurs. So I think it's very different if you compare with Chile. That is very, Chile is very well organized and very well structured. And for example, it's okay for Mexico that is very more slow, but with more powerful. So I think that every culture is very different when you travel. And for sure, and I share with uh, the point of view of uh, Rodrigo, Brazil is other planet. But it feels like it's really different. I want to make an equivalency, right, to where I live. So I live in Bangkok. Yeah. And when we talk about Asia, yeah. a lot of people just look at it as one monolithic place. Right? So the problems may be the same, but I think it's sometimes the way we use technology to solve those problems can be very different. Mm. And again, just to do an equivalency, in Southeast Asia, 650 to 670 million people, and there were seven countries. But in Latin America if you can call it that, right? Mm -hmm. 20 countries mm -hmm. and around the same number of people, mm -hmm. right? So when you think about that, do you look outside of Latin America at all in its stage of development, particularly for insurance and insurtech, and try to see best practices from other places? Or is it self-contained, that type of innovation? Yes, I, I think that um, in the case of Latin America, uh, about innovation in insurance space, I think that uh, from one side, there are a, a little bit... Uh, uh, it's a, a little bit late if you compare with uh, 
with Europe or with US because uh, insurance is not uh, has not the same level of penetration if you compare with uh, US, for example. Uh, What is the penetration in Latin America? Uh, the penetration, I think, it's about two percent of two or three percent of the PIB. Okay. P yeah. Uh, so of the GDP. Of GDP. GDP yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yep. Thank you uh, so mm -hmm. much for. Um, I think that, but uh, from other side, I think that uh, the, 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 transform the digital transformation is uh, very deep in the case of Latin America. For example, when you see a model like uh, Rappi in Colombia, like Mercado Libre from Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, uh, I think that e-commerce platforms are very well developed. Super apps are very well developed. Really? Yes. If you compare with US, yes, in the case, yeah. So in that case, I think that uh, there is a, a new uh, possibility that is to go and to sell insurance to underserved people. And that's the way uh, I think that uh, we can observe in the case of Latin America. Yeah, in, in, in my opinion, um, uh, before insurance, I'll say um, insurance disruption and the digital transformation and everything that's going on for, uh, in LATAM, I'll say that um, with the innovation in general and technology in general, Um, we used to look at uh, Europe, we used to look at US, okay. we used to look up for Silicon Valley, we used to look up for those places and saying, wow, those guys are amazing, let's bring some of that tech. Here, some, right? Yeah, let's right. bring it here, let's bring some of those business models to our region and we'll, we'll, we'll make it big. And, and that has been the case, I'll say, from the 2000s, from the 90s, uh, until... 10 years ago, right? When what, what, what happened was that we realized that our problems were not the same problems that they had in U.S. and right. Europe. We had a lower penetration, financial penetration. It's way lower here than in any other region in the world, perhaps maybe compared to, comparable to Asia. And then we have less... Um, sophisticated product, less uh, uh, um, um, income per capita. So we have different, uh, uh, less developed infrastructure in terms of technology, distribution, e-commerce, logistics, all those things. So that is, that's the other question I want to ask you. What is the penetration of just like cell phones, mobile phones, smartphones, yeah. and access to the internet? Yeah, well. it's been growing a lot. Internet uh, as a total, I think it's around 78% right okay. now. E-commerce okay. is at 10, 12%, 12%, I believe, compared to US and Europe is 30 or 40. Got it. Um, I mean, everything is, uh, let's say, between a third and a half of what uh, the, in the developing countries is, but it's growing at double digits, right. even triple digits right. in some cases. Of course, the pandemic accelerated a lot of, a lot of those uh, growth rates. Um, But I'll say that was the case for the first part, was like, let's re replicate what's working in U.S., what's working in, in U.S., and some of those companies or some of those entrepreneurs will hope that eventually those big marketplaces or big platforms will come to Latin America and will acquire them, right? That was one of the theses ah, back then. Right. Now the reality is different. Now the entrepreneurs that are starting businesses here in LATAM, they solve for LATAM. And then they expand worldwide, right? right. Like he was mentioning Rappi, uh, I don't know, uh, Betterfly. There are a lot of companies that were started here. Nubank, the biggest digital bank in the world today, was, yep. invent, was created in Brazil, in Brazil by a Latin American founder, right? right. So all those things combined now makes this region as exciting as... Europe or as US or even as Asia for venture funding because now they see good thesis, good founders, good opportunities here. So I think that now um, we are well better equipped 
to to compete with other regions in the sense of talent, technology, funding opportunities, and yeah. so on. Right. I I want to talk about solving different problems. In my mind, the entrepreneurs in the United States are trying to automate everything, but they already have the existing market and the existing penetration. Right. So they're trying to take something that already exists and automate it. Yeah. They're not worried about penetration, nor are they worried about distribution because they already have that. But it seems to me that in Latin America, that you have to solve both of those problems, and you can automate everything. But if you don't have the distribution, it doesn't matter. Do we have this right? And can you talk about that a little bit, right? Because they seem to be doing this in reverse. And what that means is that a company that's founded in the U.S. or in Europe can't just rock up to Latin America and solve that problem because they don't understand how to get the distribution side of it done with tech. Is that fair? Yeah, uh, I think that it's interesting your question because. Uh, in the case of Latin America, uh, I think that uh, in the past Latin America always looked uh, after uh, what uh, what is happening uh, in Europe, in US. Right. So uh, the model is the top management, the top level of uh, the society. Right. Right. So you you can, uh, for example, in the case of car insurance, of homeowner insurance, uh, they copy Latin America copy the model of US, the model of Europe, and they forget in the past they forgot. The underserved people. Yeah, because they're missing most of the market. Yeah, for sure, because we don't know uh, what are the needs of the people. Right. That's a, that's the point, because when I, I say, I, I always say, uh, when a, a lot of insurance companies try to, uh, to, to, to deliver a, a very good value proposal for underserved people, the, the question is, how we can imagine a good value proposal? Because the people that are working in an insurance company are not from this part of the society. Right. So it's very difficult to imagine what are the needs of these people. Right. So I can't solve a problem for somebody if I don't understand what that problem is. Yeah. Right. Sure. That's hard. Because you, you need to live you need to live in a poblaciones, in a Chile, in Villa Miseria, in Argentina in order to understand what are the needs. Right. For example, uh, in the case of Argentina it's very interesting because for the people in uh, in, in Argentina with the very well Underserved people. Uh, the topic is the the tooth, the teeth. Why? Because if the teeth are not very nice, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to find a job. <laughs> so, so that's fascinating. So, Go so ahead. Yeah. So, for example, for the underserved people in in Argentina, it's very right. important to have uh, a coverage uh, about uh, tooth or about uh, for dentist to go to the dentist because uh, that's the part of the society uh, uh, that is needed. Got it. So, can I ask you this though? If the distribution or just the inclusion part, let's just say, is in SureTech 1.0, what's the difference between that? And what we're seeing today and what we're going to see in the future as the insurance and insure tech market develops. Yes, about uh, when we talk about uh, InsureTech 1.0, yes. uh, I think that uh, we, we, we leave the, the end of this first wave. Uh, so what was that first wave, though? Yeah, I think the first wave, when you describe, is a little bit uh, focused about automatization. Okay. And automatization uh, or a, a, a go-to-market to say, hey, guy, Uh, until now, insurance companies are very traditional, are very boring. So with, with the technology, right. we will uh, disrupt the market. And uh, for sure, the insurance career are not so traditional and they know very well the market. So uh, right now, uh, the, the cost of acquisition is very high for a new insurtech to go directly to the market. Okay, okay. Uh, that, It's one part. The other part is automation. Automation, yes. 
but for what? Right. It's a question. Right. What for are we what? automating? Automation is in order to increase uh, the, the revenue for the, the shareholder. It's not very interesting, not? No. So what, what's the point? I think that uh, uh, when we are talking about InsurTech 2.0, in the case of Latin America, I think we are uh, thinking about InsurTech that are trying to solve a problem and not to sell a solution. So solve the problem uh, is the, the, first, the first part. The second one is to make a, a dimension of sustainability. And in, this, in that case, uh, I think that inclusion, underserved people, are a new way to, to, to sell. What do you mean by sustainability in this case? I think that uh, right now, when we observe the world, we are very uh, a little bit worried about the world, about the climate change, okay. about the social impact, uh, about the, 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 the economical model right, right now. So we, 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 we are uh, like uh, the, the, the sons of Markowitz. Markowitz is only risk and profitability, okay? And right now, I think that uh, we, we, we lack uh, the meaning of what we do, uh, what we do. Right. I mean, I feel like at some level we should have a conversation about late-stage capitalism. Maybe we can save that for mm. later. But I do think that that's not untrue, right? I want to ask you this, too, in reference to what he was talking about. There was this whole concept of insurtechs are going to disrupt. But from an insurer's standpoint, do you feel like it's changed over the past, like you said, seven years ago when you first started doing this, it's changed from disruption to enabling, where insurers are now looking to insurtechs and saying, you're not going to disrupt this because you can't do it on your own. But in the context of each individual country here, how can you work together with big insurers to enable different things like the sustainability? Is that is that fair? I think so, yeah. In a way, yeah. I, 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 um, if I get back to those times, I think there was a little bit of panic from the in traditional incumbents uh, all the way from carriers to reinsurers. Everyone was panicking. Uh, we're going to be the next blockbuster. We're going to be <laughs> the, the next right. blockbuster. Oh, yeah. But did people actually get together and talk about this? Yeah, So you course. look at the insure text growing this, and this, thinking, oh no, what do we do? Yeah, this was a conversation at the board level. I really? Mean, chairman, CEOs were discussing what's, what's the play here, what we're wow. going to do, and then all sort of different strategies uh, the Kodak effect. Uh, the Kodak effect. <laughs> all sort of different strategies arise from setting up venture funds and start funding uh, insurtechs, from launching your own digital team, from right, right. Uh, uh, build up an accelerator, all sort of different strategies. Then as time, as time went through, uh, uh, we realized that there was not. This wasn't like Star Wars, right there. Right. No, you know the dark side and, the, and it's, it's, it was mostly <laughs> the Jedi, a, yeah, the Jedi and all that. It was mostly about collaboration. We learned that if we worked yeah. together, we could solve problems for the end customer or or or, solve, or even our own operational problems, right? right. Um, but the thing, what what I. What, how many uh, insurtechs are we having in Latam? Four hundred, something like that. Five hundred. Five hundred. I think I met roughly with 120. Okay. Myself, probably my team has met with yeah. many more as right. well. And what I see from InsurTech 1.0 was mostly about distribution and the user experience. We'll make this nice website, this right. nice app that will ask very little questions or we make it more appealing to the end customer. But mm. at the end of the day, they weren't really solving a new problem. We're right. making something more friendlier. Right, right. But they the were taking the same problems and just making yeah, it easier to interact Yeah, exactly. With, right? uh, but at the end of yeah. the day, 
let's uh, when we were discussing earlier let's not forget that the latin the latin american customer still doesn't understand insurance or doesn't have enough insurance to say yeah i'm gonna wake up this morning i'm gonna buy health insurance dental insurance auto insurance home insurance that doesn't work it doesn't work like that here u.s europe have different sophisticated markets that we don't have yet here so there's, there's a lot of component about education inclusion people don't have the same average ticket spend that right. we can offer i was having a conversation the other day oh yeah we can sell this product for 10 bucks a month i said not in latam man right. not in latam i mean we right. have to design something different it's a, there's are different a, there's a perspective problem too right for somebody ten dollars doesn't seem like a lot of money exactly but for somebody who doesn't have ten dollars and, and when you start uh, decomposing the, the customer segments in Latin America, how many people uh, have access to, to a bank account, to financial right. instruments, even to the cell phones we use, the penetration fear of iOS is completely different. Right, so you can build a, right. I was thinking about this, so you can build a great iOS app, exactly. but if nobody has an iPhone. Or even if you make it too heavy, that the, the, the network, data, pro, the network data, data takes a long time to load up. The guy right. is not going to be there. It's not going to buy right. the products. And if it's own. a prepaid phone versus a postpaid uh, phone, you're getting a completely different, different experience. Different problems. So he talked about the panic, right, from an incumbent insurer perspective. And I know from my own experience that a lot of the insure techs, when they started, like, we're going to disrupt this, we're going to destroy everybody. But at some point, their perspective must have changed as well. Yeah, for sure. The thing is that uh, humility, humility, I think it's a word um, in the past for our insurance company, because I think that insurance company, uh, I think that uh, has not moved from uh, to... 200 years, so I think that right now with the technology we can change the insurance company, transform, to propel the, the insurance company in the new normal. Uh, but right now I think that uh, insure tech must be very humble too. Right, but did you see them change? In other words, they panicked first and then they realized it wasn't uh, the dark side and the yeah, light side. Yeah, I think that they are changing because right now they, they lack the lack of uh, financing. So. Right now, uh, humility is uh, the <laughs> world <laughs> yeah. because they have no money. They have yeah. no money, so I think that we, we will observe a, a lot of uh, insure tech uh, uh, in bankrupt in the next month. So it's it's, really? it's a reality. Yeah. What is what is the death rate? The death rate is estimated to twelve percent per by year. That's not that bad, right? No, but I suppose that in, it's going to get higher. In, in twenty twenty three, it will be a little bit higher, which is be- okay, don't you think, at some level? This level is, is quite okay, but um, I, I, I think that right now we will observe or a high level of mortality rate right. or a very uh, turnaround about uh, insure tech because uh, I think that a lot of insure tech, for example, um, that is B2C, go-to-market insure right. tech, right. are moving from a B2B to see model because right. they, they know that it's better to, to, to be connected with the platform to sell insurance. They so have to be, right? Yeah. In, in my case, I've seen, like I said before, I met with many of them and I love to engage with them and we do business with many of them. Um, what I would like to see this year and probably next is new ideas, new solutions, right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of always seeing some of the same things over and over, over about distribution when there are so many fundamental problems that we could solve right. together as an industry from the way we price products from the way we uh, uh, provide the claims experience from the way we complement it with other comp- other products that are not necessarily insurance to add more value to the end customer right. from the way we get the gather the data right. from there's so many problems that we can solve and yes. I, I'm always seeing like 90% of the insurance techs I see is about distribution making the customer experience at the acquisition point very easier right. I, I would like to see more on the back end 
yeah to 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 really challenge everyone in the industry even right. ourselves to to come up with new solutions right. right in a way this is why i think the mortality rate is not just okay but it's going to get higher because if 10 companies are trying to solve distribution only two or three of them are going to exist yeah. in a few years right? yeah, it's because the venture capital model where the winner exactly. takes all right yeah. i want to talk about venture capital really badly okay but before we get to that because if they're going to use new ideas if they're going to do new stuff they're going to have to like the elephant in the room is always going to be now artificial intelligence and mm -hmm. generative ai yeah where does this fit in Yes, I, I think... And in a few, because it's not just one place, right? Yeah, I think that uh, artificial intelligence is a game changer right now. Feels like okay? it. Okay, so we, we talk a lot uh, in the last uh, three, five, year, five years, uh, 10 years. We, we 50 years, to be fair. 50, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's true, though, right? I mean, the stuff that's going on in generative AI has been around. The technology itself and the understanding of this has been around for 50 years, but the compute and the connectivity has mm -hmm. changed to make it possible to actually use. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, with, uh, for example, in the case of ChatGPT, that is uh, the, the buzzword uh, for, for sure in the last four months. But uh, when we observe that uh, every people are using ChatGPT right now with a very good level of uh, creativity, mm -hmm. uh, I think that the game changer is right now uh, um, generative uh, artificial intelligence will create contents. So music, image, video. Right. So what we can imagine in the case of, uh, of insurance, for example, right now in the case of Latin America, a lot of uh, insurance companies in the past has used, uh, uh, used uh, telemarketers to call, to call to sell insurance. Okay? So, but what was, what was the limit? The limit was the cost. If profitable or not profitable to call to a people to try to sell insurance. Okay, right now, with uh, generative artificial intelligence, everything is free. So we can imagine that tomorrow receive tens and tens of uh, virtual uh, people to try to sell very, in a very well manner insurance products. So the, 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 the question is, we will accept uh, and we can imagine tomorrow to, 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 to write a script and to create contents, video, podcasts, like this. Perhaps we are not, it's not interesting to have a podcast right now. I don't know. That's a challenge. I have my own opinion on this. Yeah. I'm really, <laughs> no, but I'm really curious if you think it's free. And I'll tell you why. We do a lot of content creation. And actually, we use a lot of automation. Yeah. But the thing that Genervea can't do is it can't come up with its own idea. Right, so you can use it for scale, right, in the same way that Ford figured out I can build an assembly line, right, and I can automate, like, I can build robots then later on in life with the Japanese figured out to build cars, but they can't design the car, right? Yeah, for sure. Now, generally, I may be able to design it, but at the end of the day, you're still going to have to have humans figure out, is this what a human really wants, right, because they're building it for humans, and that's, I think, the missing piece. I don't think it's necessarily free, but I do think it gives you a lot more leverage to be able to build scale. Where do you think it fits in? Yeah, I don't think it's free. <laughs> it's not, I, I don't think it's free. Yeah. Um, it might seem free right now because you can access directly instead of doing a Google search, you can sure, go sure, to sure. GPT, but it's not going to be free forever. And um, there's always some cost behind it. Like with every new technology comes the fear of disruption, leaving people out of jobs. And right, right. For, for us in our team, luckily we have a culture of const constant learning and stuff that um, with, we embrace every new technology and we'll try to see first off, are the customers going to be here? Are they going to use it? 
because we have to be where the customers are going to be. Right, are they going to accept it? Yeah, they're going to embrace it. Are they going to accept it? Is this going to be a niche thing? Or if it's niche, it's okay, but maybe it's for a different segment of different team or different department or different solution. So that's one of the first questions we ask. Are the customers going to be here? Then if they are, how do they interact with this new technology? And then how we can embed ourselves into that in a way that adds value to the end customer, to the intermediary, to the partner. Uh, I was thinking of there's so many different use cases. We have the tech team from uh, talking to the to the ChatGPT to see if they can if it can analyze their code and find mistakes there and, and replace the QA. And then we realize it's not going to be yet fully automated. There's always going to be the need of some human that mm-hmm. runs the prompts or ask a different question and make the the, the collaborations, the patterns, and stuff like that. To your point of scale, I believe it's going to help with the scale definitely, hundred mm. percent. But also, uh, I'm always a little. Um, cautious when a new tech comes in because it's the, always this overestimation sure, of the yeah, use for sure, for in sure. the short term yeah, and then there sure. is an underestimation on the long term. Right. I think that here we are just scratching the surface. Absolutely. Now what I see in, in, in the very short term is a, a, a change in the way we interact with internet as a whole. As now, a whole though, right? For instance, I don't know about you guys, but I stop using Google search. From now I, I ask all my questions either to ChatGPT or to Bing because it's so much more convenient. I have a context and then I follow up and then I learn how to make questions even yeah. better. But um, it, it, what I realized, what I've been realizing, it's like it's a more conversational uh, engagement now, right? right? That rather than this direct and back and forth questions that doesn't lead, it, it forces, I'm much more efficient now doing way more. search, let's say. The way I look at this, right, is because you talked about like replacing humans at some level, right? The thing is that what automation can't do is it can't do this. I can't, it can't look into your eye and see what the reaction is that you're having. It can't react to you in the same way that I can or that he can. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The, the thing that the, the point is right now is the, the emotion because the emotion and the human contact, uh, we cannot be replaced right, right now. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the risk to, of tomorrow with ChatGPT is definitely to automate a lot of, a lot of, a lot of tasks and high level tasks. Sure. For sure. example, it's a case of order when when you go to, uh, for example, to a Starbucks and to talk two minutes to have to Starbucks. I think that tomorrow a very good uh, ChatGPT uh, uh, could be uh, the same work uh, in the same manner. So, um, but uh, definitely, uh, as uh, Rodrigo mentioned, I think that um, it's a new paradigm and they open a lot of new opportunity in the case of insurance space. Right, but. I suppose that we cannot imagine definitely what is be, what will be um, uh, all the, the the new way to sell insurance, and uh, I think it's in my opinion it's a game changer. It is for so many things. Um, I, I'm still again need to see more profound changes besides the end relationship with the customer. Of course, every for instance every complex product that we have in insurance for. Yeah property and casualty or that needs more elaboration, more understanding, uh, more even uh, of a conversation uh, like for an ag- with an agent, ChatGPT definitely could help. Uh, but still, I think needs there are so many different... Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, the only part of risk I would like to mention today is uh, in the case, for example, of a drug. When you sell a drug, right now there are a lot of control in order to sell the drugs uh, in the in the market, yes. Um, uh, to, today, there is no control to uh, 
promote and to develop and to sell uh, intelligence artificial, artificial intelligence in the market. So, and, and that's the point. The point is, uh, what, are, what, is what, what is the level of the control we have about this new technology? And this new technology could be uh, very dangerous, for example, for the war and for ev everything. Yeah? yeah. So I like to go back 15 or 20 years to my own business experience, yeah. right? And look at when I sat on a trading desk. We use technology to automate a ton of tasks. And there were always conversations back then as well about yeah. what is going to be the impact on employment. For sure. And this is where I really want to get both of your perspectives. Because for us, what we realized was that every new tech, we weren't afraid either. But what we did realize was that it helped us figure out who was really good at their job mm. because the technology actually made the people that were good amazing. Yeah. And the people that were middling meaningless because they were also afraid. They were kind of just skating along doing nothing. And then, but because they were there, you couldn't get rid of them. And I don't, I don't um, want people to lose their job. And I don't think it will make great people lose their jobs at all, because it didn't happen in the financial services industry where I was. My real question is, how then do we take this tech and superpower the people that are amazing? Right? Because whether it's product development or distribution or investment or writing contracts, that's going to help the people do that really well. How do you look at that part of this where like, the great people are going to be unbelievable and the middling people are just going to be exposed? No? Yes, my, my answer is very short. is emotion. I think that human I have today the emotion, and the emotion is uh, the I think the 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 earth uh, the earth of my, of uh, the relationship of the conversation of right. the communication. Got it. Uh, so everything in the automatic automatization space will be automated. So there is no no issue about that. Uh, but there there is a, a very high level of emotionality that. The, the for sure uh, uh, artificial intelligence cannot replace no and uh, uh, this part for now is great for the human it really is yeah yeah in my opinion I think I call it the law of the thirds let me let me let me explain what that. is it <laughs> what is it? <laughs> who is this guy Mr. Yeah. Thirds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the third the f there is a there's gonna be a third of the team, there's going to be a third of the people that is going to jump right into it yeah, very fast. Sure. Fair they're going to learn. They're okay. going to learn quite quite good how to use it, how to make their jobs this better. This is for any tech, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Any tech. Then there's the second third that's going to take more time to learn it. Going to going to might fear it a, a bit at the beginning, but then eventually the the the, the, the laggards, right? right? They're going to adopt it and they're going to embrace it and they're going to make their jobs better. And then there's probably going to be a third. We're just going to get left out. They're going to be left they're out, and left they're going to have to find other ways to 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 get uh, to get work, to get jobs and stuff. My job as a leader is to make as many people as possible to cross to the other side. Right. right. That's right. that's my job, and I hopefully make it more than two thirds. <laughs> but um, that's that's some some in my experience some how it works. Yes, but uh, yes, as you said, I think that uh, technology. Uh, reinvent uh, the job but they cannot replace the people so no. people can reinvent uh, themselves so i uh, i agree with you that uh, do you f do you feel like the insurtechs themselves when you go out and do your analysis and when you talk to the insurtechs in latin america 
are they are they what was what was the word like surprised by what's happening in this automation space in the generative AI space? Excuse me, and does it make them change what they're building and how they're building it as well? Yes, for sure. That uh, I should uh, every. Uh, Tech guy like uh, ChatGPT, so I think that every insure tech is trying to 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 use ChatGPT in order to improve uh, his proposal, his value proposal. So, right. and I think it's good, and I think for the the, the carriers that is very good to work with them because you can test some things. Um, but that's a new buzzword. Uh, as uh, yeah, I, I have a question for you guys. Uh, go ahead. Um, a year ago, we were talking about Metaverse. Thank you. I'm we're, so glad you said yeah. that because that was where I was going. Yeah, yeah, go, ahead. Sure. Meta, go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. The question is Metaverse Web3. Two years ago, was it, uh, I don't know, IoT? So maybe blockchain, 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 for sure. blockchain. Four years ago, was right. IoT. Yep. My point is, are we always looking for the one tech that's going to win it all? Or we see confluences, convergences between many techs? So here's, the, here's another question for you. I'll answer that question with a question. Are we so influenced by media's necessity to yeah. create a new thing to pay attention to yeah. that it feels like we're not paying attention to the larger picture? Yeah. In the sense that everything you just mentioned, whether it's blockchain or metaverse or IoT or now generative AI, does matter. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter any more today than it would have mattered yesterday or matter any more or less if the media was not paying so much attention to it. I feel like it's our role to say, here are all these little bits and pieces of technology. How do we use them in a way to get better to the cut, to get closer to the customer, to make better products, to build better startups, to fund better initiatives? And that's it. And if we can tone down the noise yeah. and ignore it, right? I mean, we say this all the time. It's our job, right, as kind of engineer thinking people to minimize noise and find signals. Let the rest of the world jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing while what we're doing is innovating. Does that yes, make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, it makes sense. Uh, the only thing is the case of uh, ChatGPT and Midjourney, something else, is I think that's in the case of uh, intelligence artificial, artificial intelligence. Um, it's a very old technology. Very. And mm -hmm. right now, there is a disruption in the same old technology. Yeah. And I think that the only different element is that point. In the case of meta, uh, meta, me, Metaverse, of, uh, in the case of blockchain, there is 1.0 version and not 2.0. Right now, we, we, we are observing a 2.0 version of uh, um, artificial intelligence. But it took That's four decades to get there. Yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. So yeah. what's your answer to your own question? Because I, I have this concept that I call chasing. Right? You see some entrepreneurs do this. And I see this a lot in Southeast Asia. I'm sure the same thing happens in Latam. Yeah? It's that four years ago, I'm a blockchain guy. <laughs> then I'm a metaverse guy. Then I'm an IoT person. Now I'm a generative AI person. And you know what those people are actually building? Nothing. Yeah. But I think you know what they do that is to raise money. I agree. Is if you position yeah. yourself as dot AI or right, dot right. chat GPT AI company, you'll get better valuation or more access to capital or right. blah, blah, blah. I think it all comes down to what is the problem you're trying to solve. Exactly. And have the long-term view. Right. If you, have, if you have a long-term view, technologies will go up and down, will get better and Doesn't better. Matter. It will take longer or shorter to solve. But if you're very, very focused on a very big problem, I call it like it's a billion-dollar problem, not a billion-dollar idea, right? right? You have to have a billion-dollar right. problem. It's right. big enough. 
And the good thing about Latin America, they were full of problems. <laughs> Lots of big yeah. dollar yeah. problems. A yeah. lot of big problems. I call solve. those high quality problems. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, one more thing before we go. Yeah. Venture capital. Yeah. If I look at the United States, right, if I look at Europe and if I look at Southeast Asia, I know who the limited partners are. I know where that money's coming from. Educate me a little bit on what the source of funding is for VCs so I can get a better understanding of that. Yeah, uh, in the case of OVC, HS Capital, uh, the funding is family office, okay, definitely uh, family office. But in the case uh, at the worldwide level, um, the funding is from uh, huge institutional like uh, insurance company, banks. and So uh, sa- it's the same type of limited partners. Yes, uh, I, I, I did uh, observe a, a difference uh, between before and right now. Yeah, in that time you'll you'll have local local venture capital firms, mm-hmm. regional capital firm, very successful. Uh, I don't know, Kasek Ventures come to mind mm-hmm. as one of reference. Like it has been here for twenty years or so, making a lot of lot of very good uh, investment decisions. And then I'll say five years ago, maybe the big ones started to come in into Latam, like from Tiger, outside the region, Tiger, Tiger. SoftBank, yeah. all those started like like what five years ago, yeah. like coming into the region, making big checks here. Mm. So now we have a more, let's say, sophisticated venture um, uh, sec- industry. Now we have a early stage, later stage, even later, later, later mm. stage. Before we have a, a few pieces here and there. Now we have a, like a more uh, develop uh, value change. And at the end of the day, the, uh, the family offices, the endowment funds, the college funds are going to be there as LPs, but making the, making the investment decisions, I think we have a much yeah, more yeah. developed uh, industry now. And only to, to complete, um, uh, today we, when we read uh, some papers, we, we think that there is no money for insurance, insurtech for startups right now. And it's not the case. It's not the case. No, right? it's not no. the case. The, 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 there is a lot of money. That is, the name is Dry Powder. Mm-hmm. The Dry Powder is $500 billion in VC. The only thing is that right now they don't invest. But money is here. Yeah. I'll give you another reference point for, for, for your education. Until 10 years ago, mm-hmm. we used to have six unicorns. We have now more than 45. Right. Yeah. In what, in the span of five years, seven years, yeah, right. ten years, maybe, right. and quite a few IPOs, seven times higher. Yeah. Seven and times higher, and, and, and I don't, I don't see that going away anytime soon. No way. There are going to be more restriction, a uh, 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 return to the mean in terms of evaluation. Always reversion. Always. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yes, but uh, when you observe uh, for, for an anecdote, for example, uh, I remember as a VC, uh, we we we. A lot of insurtech pitches uh, to, to to HS Capital, yes. And uh, one day uh, I've got a, a meeting with a startup from uh, Canada. Okay. I know this story is very good. <laughs> no, it's amazing. It's amazing. So uh, I'm going to, to to talk with the guy. The guy was in the bed, in the bed, in the bed. Okay, with the camera. Okay, <laughs> in the bed. So he didn't blur, but you knew he was in his bed. In the bed. That's yeah, terrible. In the bed. Okay, go so ahead. I say, okay, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we make the presentation and I ask for. Uh, a presentation, a deck, a, uh, and he said, "No, I don't have any deck." Okay, great. And uh, he's talking about uh, his insurtech that was uh, an insurtech about blockchain and something else uh, with the, all the wo- the buzzword. All the buzzwords. And he said, uh, "And I say, okay, but uh, do you have uh, an MVP, uh, some traction, something? No, nothing. Great. What is the valuation of your startup?" $20 million. I was going to say 25 but okay, <laughs> fair enough. And I said, wow. And he's in bed. Wow. This guy <laughs> lost, he's wasting my, my time. Yeah. Right. 
that yeah. that doesn't happen now. No, that, but that guy might have raised around, probably. Are, yes, but there are lots, huh? Yeah. So okay, that's a big change. Yeah. Okay, boys, thank you very much for doing this, Rodrigo Valiente, VP, Head of Digital for Latin America at Chubb, and Ug. Bertin, the CEO at Digital Insurance Latin, <laughs> and a partner. It was better, right? Uh, yeah. CS Capital. After 45 minutes. After 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I think that just, yeah. I just kept thinking about it. You're, you're speaking Thank very you both well very French. much for doing Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Hughes. Thank you, Rodrigo. Pleasure.